the craziest thing is happening outside my window. Cuban tree frog is between the window and the screen. I don't know how the heck it got there. Normally, it hangs out outside my window when I shoot my podcast at night because all the bugs are attracted to the podcast lights and it just picks off insects all day long. It's like a hometown buffet of some sorts for this guy. I don't know how he's in there and I don't know how he's gonna get out. Um, I'll let you know if I have to clean out a dead frog between my window and screen. I'm not looking forward to that. Welcome to How to Build a Tent, the podcast on how to make you successful and of amphibians, apparently. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to the show, putting up with my terrible humor and lame stories. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for sharing the show, despite all of the stories I tell. I appreciate all of you guys who've been subscribing to the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Over to fightlaughfeast.com, put in HTBT in the memo field. You'll get a sweet mug. You'll get a tons of other great benefits. Thank you for everyone who has supported us. Um, and just amazing things are happening. I'm really looking forward to seeing what God does with the network. If you have any questions, comments, you want to reach out to me, Matt, at howtobuildatent.com. You can also subscribe to me on all the social media sites at How to Build a Tent. You can also comment. You can tag me. I'd love to respond to whatever you have or what you find is interesting. Love to hear from you guys as well. Thank you for everyone who has reached out. I was thinking a lot today about your word and the importance of using your words well, being able to articulate things correctly, and the value of being faithful in your words. So I was going to talk about a few different angles of how you should use your words and how you shouldn't use your words. Before I do that, I have another fun story for you. Not Costco. Our Costco part two story is on hold for the next two weeks as my furniture is supposed to get here two months after it should have, or about roughly two months after it should have. It would be remains to be seen what will happen after that, because if you remember, they told me that they could compensate me for the delay in the furniture delivery. Big mistake, I said, for two reasons. One, you're giving me a card that you didn't have to show me, and two, I have a podcast where I'm telling everybody else about it, too. So that's what I'm doing right now, even as I'm trying to get this hair hanging down from my forehead. I really haven't had a bad hair day so far. Not that I have a good hair day, but I was having some problems earlier on in my podcasting career where I'd have like hair just hanging down like it is right now, or even more drastically, for those of you that watch know exactly what I'm talking about. But besides the Costco story, we had somebody come in and... Um, they were called like a window treatment consultant or whatever. They do blinds and shades and shutters, tinting, those kinds of things. I'm just trying to get a quote for some specific rooms. And they came off with like the craziest quote. I'm not even going to tell you. But it would have been what I would expect to pay for just putting all new windows in the house. But that's what they wanted to charge me for, the shades, shutters, or whatever we were going to do, depending on the room. My garage has windows too. And I was just blown away by it. But what was most blowing, what was interesting to me is it reminded me of the importance of understanding the process. And that's why I really like the series that Fight Laugh Feast has on sales. There's a flow and a process on how to make a sale from somebody that's coming into your home as a consultant. Right? You come in, you assess the needs of the client, 
you look at the situation, you make some recommendations, you might throw out some numbers, preliminary numbers, you get that all together, you get all the measurements you need. Like this could be anything, right? Painting, we just got a new uh, water heater system in the house. It could be with that, it could be with the pool, it could be with gardening, it could be building out the house. Whatever it is, it's all the same. You go, you meet with the client, you build rapport, you advise them the best you can of their options, and you come away, and then you go, and you make a quote, and you come back, and you deliver the quote, and you ask them, is there anything, any questions you have, any comments, is there anything else that I can do for you? Is there anything that is troubling you that we can talk through? And that's how the, the sales process typically goes. Not this one, not today. Apparently, my wife and my mother-in-law were walking her out because I had to go and jump into some meetings. And she came back. I don't know what happened exactly. But she was in the house. She was writing up her quote in our house, in, in our living room, or in our dining room. Which totally just was weird, off-putting. Even if the quote that she gave was going to be something that I would be interested in. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a cheapo. I like high quality stuff that's going to last. I'd rather pay more for something today that's going to last me longer than have to pay for it three times over that's going to eventually end up being the same price or more. And just rather get rid of the hassle and pay for some stuff up front. But this was just astronomical. But even if it wasn't, just how she handled the sales process totally turned me off. I didn't like it. And it was just bad experience. And that is something noteworthy to talk to you about, not just because I want to rant and tell you about all my issues I have with vendor or with customer companies, but it's a good reminder for us that there is a process. And if you're not going to stick to the traditional custom of wherever you are in the sales process, like that's obviously one type of sales. There's tons of other sales, B2B and all that. If you're going to not stick to that custom that everyone is uh, used to. I was going to say custom that they're accustomed to. I guess that works, but eh. I need to switch up the vocab. If you're going to deviate, you need to understand you're deviating and make up for it. You need to hit the ball out of the park if you are not going to do the normal traditional steps in the sales process. It's okay to do it, but you need to have like the best A game you're coming. You're bringing it you're going to knock the ball out of the park. You are going to get a standing ovation from your customer and they're going to be so glad that you didn't do what everyone else does. Otherwise, if you're underwhelming and if you don't have a product that's providing value either in price, quality or whatever, and you go outside your lane, you go outside the channels, you're going to be putting off and discouraging people from using you a lot more than getting people to buy in and to give you your business. And th that today was a great example of that. I'm going to get a sip of my green tea in this turquoise or sky green. I don't even know what color this mug is. My throat's been hurting. I've been talking a lot of those meetings all day. I was, I was reviewing a contract and thinking about the party and how they were breaking their end of the agreement. And I was just thinking, just more philosophically, I guess, or romantically, or whatever you want to say about business, and how there are just some heroes, quote-unquote, or legends in the business community that I look up to, who all are people that keep their word. 
And there, I was just thinking through the value of that. And keeping your word can be really difficult. It's really hard, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Every single one of us can keep our word. It requires us to be disciplined. It requires us not to overextend ourselves, to be sure of what we promise and not to promise any more. And there's a whole bunch of discipline that goes into just committing to it in the first place. But then when it gets tough, the resolve, the integrity to follow through. And the few people that do it in this life are the people I want to work with. There's a people that I trust, the people that I want to go to battle with. Those are the people that are going to earn my business. They're going to be the people that I'm going to stand behind, that I'm going to back, that I'm going to want to start businesses with, the people that I can trust. And again, it's hard, but it's not impossible. And the difficulty of it is what makes those of us who can do it really shine. It makes those of us who can do the difficult, who can train ourselves, who can respect people enough to fulfill your promises, to fulfill your contracts, it makes it so those are the people that stand out, that get business, that are the ones that people want to come to and partner with, that want to give proposals to, that want to have on their team. It's the difficulty that makes you stand out. So the next time you are in a difficult spot where you have the option to take the easy way out, not live up to your word, not to fulfill what you have committed to, Realize that this is a moment for you. This is a time for you to rise above, to differentiate yourself from everybody else who would take the easy way out. And in the long run, it is going to be to your benefit. Now, in the short term, it's to your benefit to not live up to your word. And that's what makes it so compelling. That's what makes it so easy. But in the long run, it always pays to keep your word because you start building up brand equity. Oh, you're like brand, a brand, that's a company thing. It's not an individual thing. We've talked about this earlier on in the podcast that you yourself have a brand. And the people I was talking about earlier of the ones I admire, that I respect, that I would go to bat with, that I would go to battle with, have a brand image of reliability, of faithfulness, of committing as being true to their word and they're not going to wimp out. That's the man I want to be. What about you? It is, dif if it's dif it is difficult, but it's not impossible. And the difficulty of it is what makes you stand out from everybody else. And what makes you stand out and what makes people want to be around you. It makes people want to follow you. It makes people want to trust you. Do whatever you can to be a man or woman of your word. It puts you in such a better position to be a leader, to be somebody who's turned to, to somebody that people put their faith and trust in. Not that you are the savior of the world by any means, but that you have the credibility and the authority to lead them to the truth. 
to lead them to a better way, to benefit them, to make that sell, to be part of that next business venture. That is when the dividends of keeping your word start coming into play. And it's not easy. It's not something that happens in one day. It is a legacy that you are building, a brand image that could last generations. Or you could just be like everybody else that people don't rely on, don't trust, and you just are blended in with the rest of the crowd. Another word association that I was thinking about that is really important is the delivery of your words. And I was thinking about this when playing with my son. There are two times that I say no to my son when I'm playing with him and when I'm giving him a command. Now, when I'm playing with him, it's, it's like when we're wrestle, wrestle, wrestling. He like, you know, he's one year old. He's at one year, around one years old. So he like, you know, it's not like hardcore wrestling, but he'll like put his finger in my belly button or he'll put it like his finger in my rib cage or something and look at me and I'll like fake laugh and then he'll like just land on me and I'll be like no 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 and then he'll be taking me and, like, ah, and I'll be like laughing and he he gets not that my word doesn't mean what I mean but he understands the context even at one years old that we're playing and that I'm laughing and that I'm joking and that we are roughhousing but then there is also the other no I tell him, the commands. And this is one where it's the dad voice, right? <laughs> no. My son got that a lot when he started to put things, he loves to put things together. Like he, he likes looking at things and seeing how they fit and then trying to put them together. So he'll take like the headphone jack and try to put it into where he sees the headphone go or the phone charger. He'll try to put the phone charger into the bottom of my iPhone. And he was doing that with the outlets, but he was doing that with things like, well, he shouldn't be playing with outlets in the beginning, but he was just trying to stick other things in it. It was no, no, no. And then one time he put his finger in the outlet, looked at me and smiled. And then I swatted him. He cried because he didn't listen to me. But he knew I meant no. And now every day since that's why, which broke my heart. And oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much a complex you get of fearing that your kids are not going to like you when you discipline them. You really have to love them more than you love yourself. Because the easy, again, it's the easy way has a temporary benefit, but a long term, it does not pay dividends. And that is like, if I'm more scared that my son's not gonna like me, I'm not gonna be a good father and discipline him correctly. But if I am more fearful of God and him being upset with me for not being a faithful father, if I'm more fearful of God, then I'm going to do what's right for my son. I'm gonna discipline him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what God has called me to do. But anyways, that was just a side note. For those of you fathers, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, maybe I'm a wuss, but I had a big fear when that happened of, like, my son is not going to love me. And I actually had to repent of that and be like, God, no, I don't care. I need to stop fearing man, even my one-year-old, that he's not going to love me. And I just need to do what's right. I need to do what you called me to. And we prayed. And I hugged him. I said, I love you. And, of course, he was fine. I mean, I didn't, like, hit him hard or anything. But it was just, like, the shock of it. But now he does not put his finger on it again. And every time he looks at it, I say no, and he knows. 
that it's not a joke. And that's because of my delivery. And this is true in every area of our lives, especially business, especially when you're leading people, especially when you're managing people, is you have to deliver things in the way that you intend them to be. You can't be wishy-washy. You can't sound, have a tone that doesn't match the severity, the positive or the negative of your speech because people are not going to take you seriously. So your tone, your eye contact, your body language, your presence, your shoulders being wide, your like posture, all of these things need to be honed in on to deliver one message that is aligned with the words you're actually saying. Or you're going to have misunderstandings. You're going to have a credibility issue. You're going to have a lot of problems. And I mean, children are case in point with that. For those of you that are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And another thing that I was thinking about, and I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, is don't overcommit. The power of no is so important. And there's many reasons why. For one, you have a limited amount of resources and time, and you need to do what is aligned with your vision for your life, the vision for your company, the vision for your family, and you need to use your resources diligently. You need to use them in the way that is pleasing to God. You need to be a good steward. And a lot of times to be a good steward, you have to tell people no. It might not be nice, but I don't remember anywhere in the Bible where it tells us to be nice. It tells us to love. It tells us to be sacrificial. It tells us to honor. It tells us to you know, have the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control, all of those things. Love, obviously, is the overarching fruit of the Spirit. But rarely, I don't think it ever says anywhere to be nice. And sometimes you can't be nice and you just have to say no. Because if you say yes to everything, there's going to come a point where you are not going to live up to your word. And that is more detrimental to you, to your brand, to your testimony, to your position, to your status. It's going to be more detrimental than saying no. Because it is better to be truthful and a man of your word and say no than to somebody that overpromises and underdelivers. You are not going to continue to get business that way. You're not going to continue to be asked to be on teams. You're not going to get those promotions. You're going to look terrible. It is better to say no in the beginning than to continually say yes and then let people down. Trust me. Another thing I was thinking about is don't let your words be the most impressive thing about you. It's not bad to speak well, to have a great delivery. I mean, if you have a problem with speaking, there's things that you're just not going to be able to do. Speak to crowds, have a podcast, and a whole number of things. And it's not bad to be a good orator. It's not bad to be poetic. It's not bad to speak well. But you don't want that thing to be the most impressive thing about you. You don't want that to be the thing that you are known for the most. Yeah, it's a good quality to have but it's not the thing you want to be known for the most. You want to be known for how much you loved people. You want to know how much by, you want to be known by how much you served people. You want your actions to be the thing that stands out. When someone says your name, like, oh man, that guy always does this right thing, or this guy always 
picked up the trash on the ground or this guy always put his direct reports ahead of himself. This guy never took the credit for things. This guy would always open the door for the ladies. Whatever it is, you want to be known for your actions. You want to be known for your love. You want to be known for the sacrifices you make more than your words. Again, not that words are a bad thing. It's necessary. You should be a good public speaker. You, I mean, you should work on communication. Communication is very important, but it's not the thing that you want to be most known for. And the last thing I want to say is don't let your words be wasted on bad company. And I know this is a balance for Christians because we're supposed to preach the gospel to sinners. But don't be the person who wastes time speaking and associating for any other reason than to preach the gospel. For approval of these people, for the enjoyment of the people that are wicked. And this is true in business. This is true in your career. When you hang around evil people, wicked people, morally corrupt people, you're going to become like them. Bad company corrupts good character. Always. There's no exception to the rule. Bad company corrupts good character. Not that when you're around somebody that's a sinner, that you're instantly going to be sinful and you've got to run away from them and say, unclean, unclean. But it's that you are constantly trying to win their approval, trying to be one of them. You cannot try to be one of these people and waste your words, waste your time speaking like them, joking like them, talking about the things they like, and going about your day casually with these people without you falling into the trap yourself. Words, they're powerful, they're meaningful, and they have consequences. Keep it, live up to it, and use it for the glory of God. Now let's go out and be successful together.